So I was like, there's six other seats, and why don't you have shoes on? <laughs> <laughs> what? Theaters these days. I, uh... No service. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, the show where we are going to fix a recent film. This week, we're going to fix Mission Impossible Ghost Nation. Nope. No. What is? Oh, I'm sorry. Mission Impossible Fallout. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder. Did you ever choose not to? You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. You can't break the pressure. You can't break the pressure. Mission Impossible colon something that sounds cool. I'm host JC. With me as always are the co-hosts that carry the show. Uh, why don't you say hi to everybody? Lady Wan, go. Hello. And with us we have returning co-host Eric. He's back. He is going to lay it on us, his knowledge bombs. Why don't you say hi to everybody? Eric, go. Hey everybody. I'm ready for this impossible mission. I choose to accept it. <laughs> this podcast will not self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Funny. That's interesting you say that. There's actually, they some movie got, got greenlit. It's about a, a killer podcast, like similar to like The Ring. Oh, oh no. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I downloaded <laughs> it, but I didn't listen to it. What does that mean? Uh, anyway, that's that's different. That's for Screen Fix News. Look for our Screen Fix News episodes that drop early in the week, every week. This is Screen Fix. Mission Impossible Fallout, directed again by Christopher McQuarrie. This is the first one in the series to have a repeat co-writer and director. Tom Cruise returns. Mostly everyone returns. Yep. Mm -hmm. But how did this film do? Statistician Lady Wan, why don't you lay on us the latest hot off the press stats? Go. So this movie opened July 27th, winning its opening weekend with $61 million in the United States. After two weekends, it is up to $99 million in the U.S. and $116 million overseas. Oh. I saw an interesting article that was like, how much does this movie have to make? to keep the franchise successful, which was an interesting thought. I believe in its second week, it's going to beat Christopher yeah. Robin. Audiences are loving it. Or are they? Do you have the audience reaction, Lady Wan? I do, yes. So this film is 97% fresh, according to critics, with 91% of audiences wow. liking it. Wow. It actually has the wow. highest critics wow. rating of the entire series. The next ones are both Ghost Protocol really? and Rogue Nation are both at 93% fresh. So this one is, uh, critics like this one the most. Wow. Yeah. From the sounds of it, it's really pretty stellar in a, in a summer that's already been full of some good action summary movies to mm -hmm. come in at the end here. That's right. It's doing very well, but that doesn't mean that it's without its flaws. And that's why we're here at Screen Fix. We're going to fix it. But first, what is this movie all about? Let's go over the plot. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> no. The Syndicate, the Apostles, IMF, CIA, MI6. I'm not going to lay that on you. Oh, I'll do it. Hold on. It's convoluted AF. It is. So this takes place two years after the end of Rogue Nation. His group, the Syndicate, is now a terrorist group called the Apostles. They've gotten back together and now they're this other thing. <laughs> Why they had to change their name, I don't, I don't know. It's like Jefferson Airplane versus Jefferson Starship. Oh my 
So anyway, he gets this mission, of course. First of all, in this series, who is the person in charge of making all of these like 3D PowerPoint presentations? Like who's who's that guy? That guy needs to get paid a lot of money. And it seems like both sides have them. <laughs> it's a good voiceover. Like whoever's doing it for the uh, IMF needs to just do it for like freelance on the side. He's got a great voice. <laughs> It's like no matter what, there's like a 3D rendering of whatever the heck they're doing. All right, anyway, basically the mission is to uh, intercept the sale of these plutonium cores because the apostles are trying to get these plutonium cores because this scientist has this manifesto to cause chaos, which was actually Lane's mission also in the last movie. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of my voice getting high and confused. <laughs> This, this movie has so much in it. It's uh, Anyway, the sale of the plutonium to Ethan Hunt and the team go, goes awry, but they end up still kidnapping this scientist guy. They trick him. It is the most elaborate ruse. Yeah. So elaborate. Like, what do they need from him? You need they him need to the unlock phone? the phone. Can't they just hack it? Yeah. Or does he have, like, touch ID? Can't they just put his thumb on it? That's right. I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, right. So they have to... <laughs> elaborately kidnap this doctor to get him to unlock a phone. Fake a two-week coma. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, so just continuing coma. on. <laughs> two-week coma. Anyway, they go to Paris where they get into this like club fundraiser thing place and they're looking for this guy who's known as the Lark and they're in there. They need to get him for some reason. He's has this meeting with someone called the White Widow. He's going to sell the plutonium to someone, essentially. Oh, but before that, Ethan Hunt gets saddled with Henry Cavill's walker. Angela Bassett's CIA director says, Nope, <laughs> you fail a lot. I'm going to give you this hulking lug Henry Cavill to follow you around who is like, apparently doesn't know how to use his oxygen. and is... He got struck by lightning, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. Anyway, they go to this club and there's a bathroom fight. Lark ends up getting killed by Elsa from the last Yay. film, who was our British operative in deep cover with Lane's syndicate. And she's back, which is very strange. At the end of the last movie, she went off into the sunset and was like, you know where to find me, big boy, with Ethan Hunt. Now he's dead, so Ethan takes his place because they don't know what he looks like, and he has a meeting with White Widow. The White Widow wants Lane, so she's like, okay, Lark, quote-unquote, you need to go get Lane, and I will broker the deal with, with the plutonium, blah, blah, blah. That's basically the, the plot right there, right? So he ends up getting Lane, and then... There's double crosses, double crosses, double crosses. Lane and his group, of course, they are a step ahead all the time. And it ends up that they have those nuclear weapons in a remote hospital where Michelle Moynihan, Ethan Hunt's wife, now remarried, is working as a doctor. And they have to dismantle these bombs at the last minute. Lane is there. Henry Cavill's there. There's a helicopter chase. There's Benji's there getting punched and, and hung. I don't know how he fights anyone. Anyway, they end up getting the key out of this thing and dismantling the bombs and everybody is safe and la la la. And Ethan and Elsa still don't kiss. Yep. Oh yeah. She loves him. And his wife's married to someone else. Why won't he kiss her face? <laughs> I wanted it. The crowd wanted it. I'm disappointed. I'm a romantic. You gotta wait for the next one. I know. I gotta wait for the next stupid movie where Lane is gonna come back because apparently this is just our villain forever now. So that that's basically the plot 
of this movie. We've, of course, jumped over a million double crosses and improvisations and shoved in action scenes all over the place. But anyway, we're going to fix this thing. But before we fix a movie, we know that thousands of people are responsible for making a film. We show them honor by telling something that we liked about the film. What is something you liked about this film? Why don't you tell us, Lady Wan, go. I was thoroughly entertained by every single one of the gigantic set pieces. They were all really great. Did you have one you really liked in particular? The bathroom. I just want to watch that scene. That was just great. The bathroom was really good, except maybe two different groups of dudes walked in, and that's it, the entire fight. I'm like, this bathroom should have a line. This bathroom should have every stall filled. And it was totally pristine, too. Solid white. <laughs> yes, it should have been sticky floor. They should have been fighting on top of on top of pee-pee dribble. Walker's forcing somebody's head down to the ground, and he's, no! Other than that, like, that fight was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, fight was awesome. And actually, what's weird is in the trailers, it makes it seem like that fight is between Ethan and Walker. Yeah. Eric, what did you like about this one? Uh, I thought this had, along with the the set pieces, which I totally agree with Lady Wan on, I thought the both the sound and a few of the shots during those, those action sequences were really on point. The gun sounds, the crash sounds, the lightning bolt sounds, the things breaking mm. sound, like everything sounded very impactful. And very intense and then also the the rotating shots a couple times i don't know two or three times they used it where the camera is fixed inside a vehicle and the vehicle is rotating they did this when lane went into the water and the water is filling up his car and they did this at the mm-hmm. end when um ethan is in the the helicopter and the helicopter is tumbling yeah. down they've got the fixed position in the helicopter and it's spinning around and it's a great way to show all the chaos and you hear the sound and it's just a very like yeah. visceral like intense crashes and explosions like they did a great job with making that action seem super intense and engaging some of the fixed shots on the the helicopters they have to be fixed that way because tom cruise is doing his own stunts right. that's what's so awesome about it like they didn't have that that jump cut craziness that can happen to some action scenes where every single punch is a different cut greatly due to tom cruise's uh, ability to do his own stunts so kudos to everybody involved with that and this guy's like is is he almost 60 i think he's 55 he's leaping off things he's climbing things he's flying helicopters Dang, he's 56 56 you didn't say he was 56 now i'm even more impressed Shit, than 55 <laughs> he could buy a senior ticket to his own movies almost <gasps> oh my god <laughs> After his early bird dinner at Shell's. Anyway, yeah, that's awesome. He can buy a senior ticket to his own action film where he does his own stunts. That's an impressive person. He's not human. No, he's Xenu's baby. So, (laughs) yeah, I was also fully impressed by some of the action stuff. Those fights go on for a long time, too. Sometimes I thought that the fights went on a little too long, but just it's so much fun to just watch it. There is stuff where you have to, like, suspend your disbelief, like the bathroom fight, too. Like, he goes from the bathroom to meet the White Widow. He should look fucked up. (laughs) Like, his suit, he's wearing a white shirt under a suit. That white shirt should have blood on it dirt on it sweat on it he should be sweating his ass off his hair should be messed up he should have a puffy face didn't the fake lark get shot like right above him in the face yes in the face he should have blood all over him it's still so much fun to just watch all these fight sequences take place i feel like you watch these movies less for the plot and more for what they're going to do action set piece wise. Most I think, definitely. And I think all of us agree that that was the main draw for this one. Yeah. 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 So without further ado, why don't we 
fix Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Why I don't really, you know the name of I this movie? <laughs> Mission Impossible, here we go again. <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> Why don't you give us your first fix, Lady Wan? Go. I'm a bit conflicted about my own fix here because... My problem with the movie was that it's too long. Like, I may have drifted off. Who could say? Whoa, you can't admit that as a screen fixer. That's a criticism of the movie, not myself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is two hours and 28 minutes long. And the cleanest way I could surgically remove about like 25 four minutes, is if we simplify the plot a bit to remove all this White Widow nonsense. I love Vanessa Kirby. She's great as Princess Margaret on the crown. I really feel like they threw her in this movie as like, yeah, yeah, we're going to bring her back in Mission Impossible 7 and you're really going to like her. She's a great actress. She's very pretty. She's capable. Like I believed her in the action scenes that she had as well as just like making eyes. I thought she was good. She was good. She seemed like more than just a pretty face. Like her her acting was really good, I thought. Yeah, she's great. So that's why I feel conflicted about this because I like her and I like having a strong female character in here other than just Ilsa. But we already have Henry Cavill as this outside force and we obviously have Lane and the Apostles. Like there's so much going on here. I don't need the extra attention given to her character and here's her possessive brother. I I just, I don't have time for all of this. So I want to surgically remove all of that stuff. It also doesn't make sense that they give Lane to her to broker him to MI6 so that Ilsa can get like free and clear for real this time because wouldn't it just make more sense if Ilsa brings him in? Why are we putting him in Vanessa Kirby's trunk? I don't understand. Yeah. I just, I want to take all of that out. I also creeped out with like them flirting with each other because Tom Cruise is 25 years older than Vanessa Kirby. She kisses him too. Like, (sighs) Like, I don't need it. Streamline the plot. Keep the movie going without the daddy issues kissing. Yes, please. (laughs) Right. It does feel like a setup for the next movie. Right. Yeah, I agree. She's very removable. I agree also 100%. I like that fix. I don't like that you're taking her out of the movie because uh, I was into her. Then just go watch The Crown. All right, Eric, bring on your first fix. Go. I really like the Mission Impossible series. I have seen every movie in the series, not necessarily multiple times and not necessarily recently. But one of the things I enjoyed about it is that it has kind of taken up the mantle of the crazy gadget from uh, James Bond as James Bond has moved away and gotten a little more stodgy. And so I want to see the Impossible Mission Force. (laughs) deploy all of their cool gadgets and pull something out that I've never seen before and then incorporate that in to create an action sequence that I have never seen you know um mm-hmm. in uh, in Rogue Nation there was an underwater action sequence where Tom Cruise was having to change out some sort of card or in, in, insert something in an underwater cool giant supercomputer and it created yeah. a set piece that was just unique to that movie that I could go back and say, oh yeah, that was that movie where he did this. There was that awesome scene where he had to jump into right. that whole a whirlpool almost. That moment had really great suspense. And you're right, a unique mm-hmm. set piece. Something very memorable. And I, I felt like this movie didn't have that. It didn't have a gadget or a set that was very unique. Even something as towards the end, I was kind of looking forward to it as Ethan was chasing down Walker and Walker's going into the Tate Modern, the the modern yeah. art museum. And I thought, oh, they're going to go into some 
some sort of crazy behind the art scene. They're going to be like swinging <laughs> off of giant inflatable metal balloon dogs or something like, like it's going to be ridiculous. I can't wait to see this happen. And then Walker just takes off in a helicopter. And they go up a service elevator. That's all that's they it. do in the Tate Modern. So like bring on the, the crazy, crazy locations, the crazy gadgets, the things that make you go, oh, this is this is something that would never happen in the real world. And You're right. In the first movie, there was the red light, green light gum. Yeah. yeah they, and he looks at the guy in the helicopter. He's like, red light, green light, and closes the gum yeah, on itself. So. You're right. The gadgets are not there other than like tracking devices. Yeah. And and at one point, so much tracking. Their, their stuff got broken because they had a cracked <laughs> screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's know. it. That ruins a 14-year-old's weekend, not the impossible mission force. <laughs> <laughs> JC, what's your fix? So one of my fixes has to do with Henry Cavill. So this is going to sound mean. I don't think Henry Cavill is a great actor. I mean, I think he definitely made an imposing figure. That's more physical than anything else. Yes, I thought he made an imposing figure. But he feels like a man who's like putting on a manly voice. That it's just the job. Like, I feel like him as the villain was broadcast early to the point where I was like, there's no way that he's going to end up the bad guy. Come on, please. And I kind of hated that he was revealed to be the Lark. I thought that really they should keep him as the beefy muscle and make the reason why his acting is bad is because he's actually pretending to be someone else, pretending to be someone else. Oh. You should have thought he was Lark, but he had been sent by the real Lark, Angela Bassett, director of the CIA. Because Lark was an untraceable person with access to crazy amounts of information, underworld figures, and bioweapons. Plus, you hired Angela Bassett, who has an Academy Award. Like, let her act, not Cavill. Like, let Cavill flex. (laughs) (laughs) I also noticed, by the way, it was not lost on me that his shirt never came off. Now now I look at these things. (laughs) I look at these things for you now. I'm like, okay, he's obviously super muscly. Where is the shirt off for Lady Wan? Never came. Sorry about that. I I just think it's Bassett who's Lark and Cavill is her muscle who would die for her. And Crazy Manifesto guy was his dad. Whoa, you're blowing this whole thing up. Blowing it up. Blowing it up. That's my fix. All right, Lady One, why don't you hit us with your next fix go? So midway through the movie, I think this is when I started to get a little bit sleepy. Alec Baldwin is back in the action, like literally in the midst of the most dangerous time in the movie. Yeah, He is there to confront Ethan to say, we've been told about you. We think you're the Lark. We don't trust you anymore. I'm here to shut this down. So that is insanity to me. Like, you know this man can literally do anything. And you decide you want to confront him face to face and accuse him of not being who he says he is. This is foolish. You are the secretary. You are very important. Obviously, things don't go well for Hunley, and he does get stabbed. But I want cliche Mission Impossible. He's in Ethan's arms. Mask. That's not Alec Baldwin. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Wasn't uh, Alec Baldwin in on the ruse to get... Henry Cavill, though? Yeah, Alec Baldwin was passing the... The conversation was being fed to Sloan, who's the head of the CIA as well. Okay, Ethan Hunt is there. So is Lane. There's a cavalcade of dangerous people all in this underground tunnel. Why the hell is Alec Baldwin there? It makes no sense that you would put him in danger like that. That's just foolish. And I don't know. Maybe that guy's an intern. First day on the job. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Just go put on this mask and... Uh... Don't worry about it. Eric, why don't you lay on us your next fix? I want to hear it. This is a movie that's got a lot of plans and a lot of improvisation and action sequences. So inevitably, they've got scenes ahead of time where they're trying to explain to you what's going to happen, what you should expect to happen. And they do a good job of setting up the expectation and then either subverting that or saying that, um, you know, okay, clearly something has gone wrong or they have decided to go another direction. You know, critical part of any of these sort of heist or action caper caper is a little dumb word for it but <laughs> i kind of like caper i wish i could go on yeah. more capers after this you know you and i let's uh let's go on a caper <laughs> hey uh so what do you want to do this weekend i don't know go on a caper i got a caper from five to eight i can't go <laughs> <laughs> but here they had a lot of uh dialogue that was kind of washing over some of that setup that was kind of just saying wait and you'll see I didn't get the full-on, like, uh, Oceans-level description of the plan where they meticulously broke it down, nor did I get something that said, oh, we're just going to have to improvise because we don't know what we're going to do. It was always kind of a, well, what's our plan? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. How do I not get killed? We'll figure it out. And it was basically, like, punting the story, <laughs> saying, just wait. Like, there'll be an action sequence. Just don't even bother trying to set up what we think is going to happen. They're smart. They'll figure it out. But these are professional agents like have them either give me a plan or just cut out the scene like i don't need to see this discussion right. of them saying that we're going to figure it out because i'm going to watch it in about five minutes is there a particular part of the movie that you wanted more of a plan for so what they did when they were trying to capture lane ethan ended up changing the plan because you know he had the conscience and the big theme of this is that you got you can't sacrifice a few for many you have to try to save everybody yeah. and so he changes up the plan in a way that doesn't involve murdering all these french police and so that's good but that's that's one that they didn't show you i would have liked to hear that one to hear him pull aside and go listen you know this is what they want to do but we're going to do this we're going to change it up on them we're going to do this and see this happen or at least set that up that he has this pang of consciousness beforehand also the tunnels when they're trying to do the swap and when like all the double crossings happen rapid fire back to back, I think Luther at one point is like, we'll figure it out. Like those are two places I would say. Plus it could just shorten the movie again. You're right. Like half of the dialogue could probably be cut out if they were like, we have a plan and then it like fades. All right, JC, give us a fix. My last fix is actually going to change the whole movie. Again? <gasps> again. You know why? This movie is nothing but the same movie as Rogue Nation. For the second movie in a row, Elsa is standing in the way of Ethan Hunt. And in the same movie, it's just Lane. Just this time, he's got a beard. Instead of the syndicate, now we've got the apostles that are the same thing. This is the only film in the franchise to have a repeat co-writer and, and director. And I think the fatigue showed in the story. So I thought it should have been a 100% different movie. But... If you have to continue with Lane, here's how I would fix it. The apostles seem to be the enemy because the original aim of the syndicate in Rogue Nation was that they were former agents, just like the apostles, but they were wanted to operate outside of MI6 and the, the CIA purview. And the prime minister turned down having unfettered access to making his own decisions and sending these clandestine agents across the world doing what he wanted. It turns out they're actually trying to stop Lane. So they all, yes, they all banded together to operate outside of 
MI6 and CIA purview, just like the original aim of the syndicate. But seeing the madness of Lane and how Lane had taken control of the syndicate, which they thought was going to be controlled by the prime minister, they broke off to stop him. And they've been trying to capture Hunt to add him to their task force, maybe even lead it. You could even have some surprise cameos because this is made up of uh, agents they thought were dead. So you could have surprise cameos from past co-stars who were believed to be dead. Maybe even, boom, Jeremy Renner pops up in a brief cameo. Jean Renault and Emilio Estevez from MI1. Fandy Newton from MI2. Maggie Q and Jonathan Rhys Myers from MI3. These characters from past movies are the apostles. And the fallout is actually the falling out of these good guys with government agencies and the syndicate. They're now essentially an underground force for good. And it's the government that needs to win back their trust, not the other way around. I mean, come on, like Lark was right under Angela Bassett's nose. I mean, the government is a liability at, at this point. And at some point, Hunt needs to choose and he chooses the apostles and it becomes an expendable style global jaunt suicide mission elsa is also a member of the apostles and it ends in a number of these characters actually dying but they save the day and it's this underground group the apostles ethan hunt is part of it boom different movie interesting movie what do you guys think i'm on board with it i think it amps up the switcheroo aspect of Mission Impossible, where instead of revealing a mask on one individual and saying, I was this the whole time, or I'm actually on a different side, you switch the whole sides. <laughs> uh, but maybe they're a little bit out there still. And so Ethan's kind of looking at this and saying, well, maybe these are the people I need to hang out with. If the governments are so strict, maybe these mm-hmm. people will actually let me do the things that I want to do. It's a good idea. It's 100% another movie, but I'd I'd rather watch that movie than this one. So very ambitious. I like it. This movie suffers from piggybacking too much off of the back of Rogue Nation. I definitely agree with that. Just it needs to be its own movie, and that's what my fix was all about. Nice. Does anyone have any final thoughts, little things, anybody? So- I hate that I keep going back to the well of shirtless men, but I have figured out how to make this happen from previous fixes that we established here. So we mentioned that that bathroom (laughs) should be disgusting and that Tom Cruise should be a hot mess after that fight. So here's what happens. His shirt's got blood all over it, right? He needs to borrow Henry Cavill's shirt. And Henry Cavill oh, can take boy. it off, and then we get to see it. And then Tom Cruise, <laughs> we get a comedy beat because that shirt's way too big for him. And he's like pulling his <laughs> sleeves up, and he just like he's just trying to make it work wearing like an actual grown man shirt when he's <laughs> five seven and adorable five, and tiny. Seven. He is. He's so little. He's a small man. <laughs> I know. So you get the beefcake shirtless scene, and you get the comedy of Tom Cruise trying to wear a normal size man's shirt. <laughs> That's, That's good, awesome. right? That's a- that would be a funny scene in a movie that was falling flat comedically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eric, do you have any final thought? Uh, I would scratch Wolf Blitzer from this movie. I think the uh, news cameos are a little bit silly. It's a little takes you out of the world of the movie. Oh, okay. No, you don't like Wolf Blitzer. Has there ever been a more aggressive name ever than Wolf Blitzer? His middle name's Isaac. That lessens it. Wolf Isaac Blitzer? (laughs) My God, I want this man's name. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I just want to point out that the least powerful Avenger said, nah, I'm not going to be in this movie. And the most powerful Justice League member was like, yeah, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That mustache, though. It was good. Yeah. Henry Cavill gives good stash. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess uh, if we don't have anything else, I guess we should consider this thing. Screen fixed. Uh, why don't you send us home, Lady One? If you'd like to reach us here at the show, you can send an email to screenfixpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us or follow us on Instagram or find us on Facebook. We're at screenfixpod. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you're enjoying the show. That way you never miss an episode. We'll just drop right into your downloads. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded dirty to me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it did. Uh, we also have a Patreon account. If you'd like to donate to the show, be part of the show. We also have dreams of opening a one-screen theater to be the home of podcasting and film festivals and film marathons and everything like that. Eric will be there. He'll be doing haiku monologues. Donate to the show. Just look up uh, Screen Fix at Patreon. We'll leave it with your favorite Mission Impossible quote. Go ahead, Eric. Go. I'll do uh, Angela Bassett's great delivery of the line. Yes, they would. That's the job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they would. That's the job. What's yours, Lady One? All right. Can I do my creepy Solomon Lane voice then? Yes, go. You should have killed me, Ethan. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) That was was pretty good, actually. He's so breathy. I guess I'll just do... I'll do Luther. You know, same old Ethan. (laughs) Oh, you know, same old Ethan. Stupid. Anyway, look for our news episode early this week and always be on the lookout for another fix. Bye, everybody. Bye.